It's the Locked on Canes podcast where it's all about the you. My name is Fred Purdue. I'm one of your hosts, and I'm joined by my co-host Cam Underwood. It's been a minute, Cam. What's going on, buddy? Yo, man, sorry about last week. I was under the weather, you know, just uh, finally succumbed to whatever flu bug I'd been fighting off for a while. So I apologize about that, guys. But I'm, I'm good. I'm strong. I'm healthy. I'm fully back in the game. So back on the mic. What's good? Man, it's been a week, and we've got a lot to talk about. Uh, but before we get into that, we have our typical house cleaning. Make sure you go follow the show on Twitter at Locked on Canes. Go follow Cam on Twitter at Underwood Sports. And you can follow myself on Twitter at Fred Purdue CFB. Uh, but we got to like, subscribe. Before we do that, like and subscribe to the show anywhere that you get your podcast. iTunes, Apple Music, Spotify, Stitcher, Podomatic, anywhere. Like, subscribe. Give us five stars. Appreciate it. For sure. For sure. And, you know. This week, yesterday, we had some some tragic news. Uh, I know this isn't the NBA podcast. We're not. We don't talk basketball here. But this one, this one touched everybody. And I, I hate even. I still woke up this morning saying, "Man, this isn't real. Bad dream. I had a bad dream that this happened, but it wasn't a bad dream. So we have to talk about it." Kobe Bryant, Laker legend, Laker icon, the Black Mamba. We all know him for various things, um, but. Uh, he was involved in a helicopter crash that involved uh, was it thirty-nine other nine other people also uh, one being himself as well as his daughter, thirteen-year-old, uh, soon to be good, really good basketball player uh, Gianna Bryant as well. It was a very sad moment because you know I th- I saw it on social media. I saw it on one of my friends just happened to post something on Facebook, and I said. Nah, I thought I'm just thinking you're trolling or talking about his record that just got uh, broken by LeBron James, uh, the point score, the the points record. Okay, maybe you're just trolling. I'm like, dude, what are you talking about? And he just said, Nah, man, I'm not trolling. I'm being serious. I'm like, No, I don't see anything on Twitter. I don't see anything on any news outlet. And then all of the the news just started pouring in, and I was just like, Not today. This is not. This isn't real. Yeah, yeah, it's uh. It was very sobering, uh, you know, uh, at the secret day job is where I found out, actually. Um, and I was very uncharacteristically unprof- unprofessional. You know, I used to follow her. I said, what the, f-? you know, like, nah. Because I, I just reacted, um, you know, viscerally uh, and everything. And then, yeah, you know, some people uh, at the job uh, looked it up and we were talking about it and everything. And, um, you know, we just kind of had recollections. And it's one of those things where, uh, you know, uh, Kobe was a, uh, he he defied sport almost. I mean, he wasn't necessarily like a Michael Jordan s figure, but he was he was so ubiquitous to life and everything. You know, we're of a similar age and everything. Uh, and yeah, it was just you know it was one of those things like where you're gonna remember where you were when you found out. You know, I remember where I was when uh, Princess Diana passed because uh, my mother uh, was a big fan of her, and that was actually on my cousin's birthday uh, the year that it happened on August the 31st. So I'll always remember that. Um, I remember where I was. I was walking to class uh, on September 11, 2001, and that was kind of my analogy. And a lot of other people made that same connection of feeling 9-11 with uh, discovering when Kobe had passed. Like, you remember those instances and finding out and how that whole scenario played out. Things like that, other big events in your life. Like, And this is just a thing where, yeah, you know, it's un- an unfortunate tragedy. And for me, you know, uh, you know, basketball was my sport growing up. And... Um, you know, I connected with Kobe because, I mean, I was a big Michael Jordan fan, like most people. Uh, and then my family number that my I wore, my father, my Uncle John, my Uncle Raymond, my grandfather, my other Uncle Jim, my other Uncle Bill, 
everybody in my family wore number 24 in whatever sport they played, whether it was baseball, basketball, football, anything. And I wore 24 eventually when I got to high school, and it was like, okay, cool. And when Kobe switched to 24, I felt such a, a connection with him because I was a basketball player who wore 24, and he's wearing my you know, family number. So even more than a Charles Woodson in the NFL wearing a 24 or anything, I felt that connection with Kobe. And yeah, it was just a, you know, it, it's always a tragedy uh, when you have something like this, and especially, uh, not necessarily just for Kobe, but you know, the young lives that were lost. You know, like his daughter was only 13 years old. I mean, you have a whole life in front of you. Uh, and it's, yeah, it's very sobering. So, you know, uh, to, to the Bryant family and all the other families, and unfortunately, you know, obviously Kobe is famous or was famous, so we know his name, but to all those others whose lives were lost uh, in that helicopter crash, I just, my, my, my thoughts and prayers with them and, uh, you know, just prayers of peace and condolences. Yeah, for me, Kobe, I had a love-hate relationship with Kobe. Kobe, we, do, we don't know each other. We never knew each other personally, yeah. but, you know, on, a, on the court, it was always – you're, you want to be Michael, but you're not Michael. I grew up, you know, any kid that grew up in the late 80s, throughout the 90s, you wanted to be, you be like Mike. And then you bring this character that is Kobe Bryant, and he looks like Kobe. He, well, or he look he plays like Jordan. He acts like Jordan. He does the, the tongue thing like Jordan. I mean, he does, he stands like Jordan. He shoots like Jordan. It's like, I'm, you cannot remix Jordan but it was like you have that connection. It's like, okay, everybody said they're going to be the next Jordan. Well, he said, I'm going to be better than Jordan. Hold up. Okay, well, let's see what happens. It happens. And, you know, he would break your heart, but you you couldn't hate him. You couldn't. It was almost like he was the villain, but you couldn't hate him. He yeah. always had this this positive vibe about himself, even with the, the 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 things that were going on with him, the alleged things that were going on with him in Colorado. You know, for everything that happens, if that happens to any other athlete, for the most part, they're just jettisoned out of the sport, and their careers are never the same. Kobe had all of this swirling around him, and he says, "Oh yeah, I'll go win two more championships, and it's cool." You know. Yeah, I mean, it was, you know, obviously, and <clears throat> I saw a tweet yesterday, and I, I've stepped back off of Twitter for a little bit. Well, first of all, because of the secret day job, but just also I was just triggered just because of, of this passing. You know, I just I felt it more. Um, but I saw somebody tweet that, you know, yes, you can mourn an imperfect person. And yes, you can. You know, Definitely like, no, can. no one is perfect, you know, and just if I, I, if I can be a little honest, like my, if you don't know, You've seen uh, my pin tweet, and I've tweeted out sometimes for suicide prevention awareness uh, because my father committed suicide 13 years ago. And it's a thing that I hold dear um, because it was my dad and I loved him, but he was a flawed person. And I'm not going to go into the details here, but you know, just trust me that, I mean, yeah, there were positives and negatives. And I mean, I knew my father and everything, but I also knew some of the bad stuff that he did. And do I think about that when it was his birthday, you know, two weeks ago? Yeah, when it's Christmas time, because they, he did that on December the 21st. Yeah, I think about that. And I still mourn him to this day as a flawed person. So I say that to say that if people are mourning Kobe, like you and I are in our own way, but other people maybe even more overtly than we, it is okay because he was a living, breathing human being who unfortunately has passed. So don't, you know, if we talk about, you know, don't... Uh, pocket watch other people's money and don't like legislate how they feel about certain things if you are out there and you say i'm not going to feel a way because i think kobe did whatever 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 that's perfectly fine but if other people feel differently and they are affected by that and they do feel like mourning an imperfect person then give them the grace to do that because 
that's how they are interacting with it. Yeah, and I think for me too, and I can kind of kind of end it with this one. For me, I would, and I'm I'm a little bit younger than you, but this one hit when when. It, when Tupac died, I was a little bit, I was about seven, eight years old, but his music, yeah. I understood his music and I had a connection to him. That was, this was very similar to that. And for me, I always say athletes are athletes, entertainers, even though you may not know them, you have a connection through them to them through their work and who they may be as a person. Some, some athletes are really good people and you may never know them, but their actions and the things they do, you want to celebrate those things. Um, I, I saw something earlier. Um, Kobe had just recently helped a just a random uh, family that was on a in a car accident. Outside, just I'm going to get out mm-hmm. my car and just go help out. You yeah. know, when you think of a lot of time big name athletes, they don't do these things. Kobe was one of those one of those guys that you you he got a bad rap for one incident, and of course that's how it goes. But I I just I look at all of the positive things he's done. He was on his way to a basketball camp to teach at a basketball camp in which his daughter Gianna was going to be playing in. So Mm -hmm. I look at all of these things and I say, man, you know, you you don't really we don't appreciate our athletes and our entertainers and even people around us that are doing great things until they're gone. And I always say to myself, you know. I love that I have athletes that I love to hate, and I don't, I'm not going to go into every single one. But Kobe, me, myself, and Kobe, I, I will always say that's the one thing. He's probably one of one or two, one of a few that I have a love hate relationship with. I didn't root for the Lakers. I'm a Miami Heat fan, but he brought it every single night. And appreciating his game, his dedication to what he did, I mean, it was a, it was just an honor to be able to see him and see his career through the whole thing. Because again, I was, I'm not old enough to have seen Michael Jordan from the beginning to the mm-hmm. end. I was about Jordan retired in what 98, so I would have been about nine years old. So I didn't see all of Jordan's career. I saw the championships, and that's it. I saw championship Jordan. I didn't see the struggle. I saw every bit. The, I saw the high, the low. And then he, how he rose up and still through the end, I mean, he was going into another career, uh, part of his life. And he just, he was, he was killing it like he was in a league. And it's like, you root for people like that. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Jordan, you know, he came back for those two years and those don't count. I I erased erased that out of my memory. Um, But yeah, man, you know, and, and the thing that, you know, just to, to wrap it up, the thing that I will always remember about Kobe Bryant, um, is his just maniacal, um, focus on being great mm-hmm. you know and Bomani Jones said it the other day or today when he was doing one of his uh, radio hits he said you wish that you could have been as focused on something as Kobe Bryant was at being great at basketball and that pursuit of excellence at the expense of I mean it, or at the seeming expense of other things uh, is a thing that I will always remember about him he was just so singularly focused on being as great a basketball player between that what is it 47 and a half feet wide by 94 feet long mm-hmm. or whatever it is. He said, I'm going to be the best player possible ever in that space. And his focus at that is a thing that I will always remember. You know, and just to, just to highlight his career, 18 all-star appearances, two scoring championships, five NBA championships, 15 all NBAs. That's impressive in itself. Out of 20, this is out of a 20-year career. Uh, 12 times an all-defensive player. That's unheard of nowadays. 
Uh, he was also the 1996-97 all-rookie all team. He was a four-time All-Star MVP. He was a two-time all Finals MVP. And he was the 2007-2008 MVP. He averaged 25 points a game for his career. Four, a little over four and a half assists, uh, five rebounds a game. Shot a, a pretty decent 44%. Uh, from the field, so pretty a really good career, and he was going to be eligible for the Hall of Fame this year. That's the one that kind of tore at me a little bit because I just I was waiting yeah. for that speech because unlike a uh, one, unlike the guy that he want he was going to be, he wanted to be better than or be like. That speech would have been completely different because we saw what Jordan did. He was the complete opposite as far as uh, as personality is concerned. I was looking right. forward to that speech. So I won't necessarily say complete opposite, but there's. I think additional depth, or there was additional depth with Kobe uh, outside of the realm of basketball uh, to his personality that I think that we were starting to, to see. Um, and yeah, it would have been interesting to hear about that because obviously Michael Jordan, greatest basketball player of all time, I'm not gonna sit here and debate that, but yeah, his speech was very pointed in that direction mm -hmm. where I think that you know Kobe Bryant, who you know lived abroad because his father was a basketball player, and he you know had remember that that uh, that Nike commercial where he spoke Italian because he speaks fluent Italian or spoke fluent Italian. You know what I mean? Like there were layers to the onion, and I thought we might have been able to see some more of that um, in in the future, and you know in that in that uh, that Hall of Fame speech. But again, yeah, just condolences to all uh, who are affected by. Definitely, definitely. My prayers go out to not just Kobe and his daughter but and his family, but also the other families that were involved in that. And uh, we'll kind of end it there as far as the NBA talk is concerned. I know um, the Locked on NBA people will be talking about this across their spectrum. So I definitely say make sure you go just a little bit of a plug. Go talk to go listen to those guys. They'll be able to kind of give a little bit more depth depth to this thing we're here to talk canes football and we'll be back on the other side to talk about some additions to the miami hurricane roster all right so we have some additions we've been gone for a bit we've been gone for about a week and there were some big time additions to this miami hurricane team that we have to talk about mainly quarterback so and there's some good there's there's an addition, but then there's a subtraction that I'm really not too hurt about. So the subtraction was always going to happen after the addition. Mm -hmm. We got verified, but yeah. So we have, we'll talk about the subtraction first. One, Jaron Williams, your starting quarterback last year. Uh, he has decided to enter the transfer portal after the addition. Derek King, the f former Houston quarterback, senior transfer, has decided to bring his talents to the proverbial South Beach. Yeah, man. Um, so let, I'm going to go the opposite direction. So uh, Rhett Lashley came in, wants to run a spread offense. Uh, we talked to Coach Ron Mackey a couple weeks ago. Be sure that you go back and listen to that episode because I was great podcasting, I think. And then I also, just on the microphone, even learned a lot. And I think that you would, too, as you're listening. Um, but for a spread offense, you know, I think that we want somebody who can run it and operate it with more of a QB run element. And of the guys in the room, that would be Nikosi Perry or Jaron Williams, but then we go out after D. Eric King from Houston, who was one of six players ever in college football, to account for 50 touchdowns combined in one single season. Um, he's a guy who has almost 100 career touchdowns. He was a receiver coming out because he played high school quarterback, but he's only 5'10". Um, so they put him at receiver, and he was doing stuff like that, you know, catching touchdowns, rushing for touchdowns, had a 98-yard kickoff return for a touchdown when he was a receiver. 
Now he comes in to operate the offense as one of the best quarterbacks in the country. Uh, one of our new guys who I just finally got to poach from another website after I've been trying to get him to write for us for a while, Roman uh, Marcianti, wrote a piece, uh, and he pulled some uh, audio of, <clears throat> uh, what's his name, Lincoln Riley, the Oklahoma coach, saying, look, there might be five quarterbacks in the country who are better than Derek King, but that number might even be high. Meaning that in the entire country, in the estimation of the coach who's had back-to-back Heisman Trophy winners, multiple first-round draft picks, he said that De'Ara King is one of the top handful of quarterbacks nationally. Yo. Now, you're bringing him in to run a spread offense that fits his skill set perfectly? Yo. Sign me up. He's a 25-to-1 odds to win the Heisman along with some other people. And that's one of, I think that's like the sixth or seventh highest odds of any player in the country. He's a guy who can run it, throw it. I mean, shoot, he can return it. He can receive it if you put him at that position. He's a multi-talented athlete and adds dynamicism to a level of the quarterback position that Miami has not seen in almost ever. Now, have, has there been great quarterback play at the University of Miami? Yeah, quarterback you. You can go and look at all the guys, Vinny Testaverde, John Ke- or Jim Kelly, all these other guys. But there's nobody who's done it like De'Eric King does it. Yeah, when I saw and – and I've been a fan because – I, I was very interested. I've been watching Houston a little bit from afar. There was one Greg Ward Jr. who was the quarterback there. When I see Derek King, I think a lot of – they're very similar, but Derek King's a much better athlete. Whereas yeah. – and they and the, the similarity is they both played a little receiver. So they – and when you have those guys that play receiver and they transition to quarterback, they understand the guys that they're throwing the ball to a little bit more because they understand, I played this position. I know where I want the ball placement. I know where the routes are supposed to be, what depth they're supposed to be, how fast they need to be run, how many steps it takes to get here, and the ball needs to be out here. All of those details of that position, and he can play inside or outside, and he's just a fast guy. But I will also say this. Derek King was a record-setting high school quarterback in Texas. He was so record-setting that Kyle Trask at Florida was his backup for four years in high school and never started a game. It was never in the conversation. Very impressive. Because Derek King was that guy. Like, that's what you're bringing in. So, a guy who can run it, throw it, um, 89 career touchdowns. I wrote a piece after he decided or announced that he was coming in. He's enrolled on campus. It's official, uh, all that kind of stuff. Uh, So, you can go look that up with all the statistics. Now, on the flip side, Jaron Williams decided to hit the transfer portal, and he's going to leave. And I get it. He was – and Jaron Williams is good and going to get better. Like – but after a retro freshman year of mostly starting and maybe some rumors or whispers about, you know, some off-field maybe issues, Jaron is leaving. Now, did he, he did consider leaving after his redshirt year in 2018, but came back for last year. So this is him fulfilling that earlier thought. But, you know, I've, you know, kind of been keeping my eye on the conversation around Jaron Williams and Tom Fornelli of CBS Sports wrote a nice piece about him and where he's going to go or like the 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 market for Jaron Williams. And I think that Jaron Williams is probably the best transfer out there apart from a De'Ara King at a quarterback this cycle. That's over Felipe Franks. That's over um, Jamie Newen from Wake Forest uh, because you still have two, maybe three years 
And I think that Jaron is, he's good and could be great. He has all the talent in the world. Um, he's a guy who was recruited by a lot of teams. Yeah, Miami came in late for him because he's in the same city as Trevor Lawrence in high school. And obviously the number one overall player in the recruiting class is going to overshadow him. And Justin Fields is also from Georgia and was the number two quarterback or number two quarterback and player in the country. So you're going to get overshadowed by overshadowed, excuse me, by both of those guys. But Jaron Williams can go pretty much anywhere in the country. And if he focuses on really using this as uh, fodder or, or motivation to move forward and really develop his skills, Jaron Williams should be an NFL quarterback. And, you know, we wish him well. But it was an easy choice for him. You don't bring De'Eric King in to sit. You do not bring him in to have a quarterback competition. I don't want to hear Manny Diaz uh, insult our collective intelligences by saying, well, you know, yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens. No, you bring in De'Eric King to play him. Jaron Williams knows that, and that's why Jaron Williams left. Definitely. And, you know, I, I, had, a, I had a slight – I don't want to call it a – I was a little bitter with him because I saw the talent. And I, what I saw on the field versus what I heard in these interviews, and I know we know what happens on in these interviews. They're coached what to say, but there were very there are a few times where he would slip up and say some things he probably wasn't supposed to say. I caught one of those. I think it was after the Florida State game where he uh, where he was he said something along the lines of I think it was actually. There was, it was after a loss where he just really was – he was like, I just wasn't focused. I was doing other things. And that's where I'm like, man, you, you what, something's going on. And I just don't understand. I, one week you're, you're just killing it. One week you're, you're really killing it and not in a good way. So and – and you can't attribute it to development because I saw – what I saw against Florida, that was real. What I saw against Pitt at the end, that was real. And it was Marvel. like – uh, what I saw against Florida State. Florida State. That was real. But then what I saw against North Carolina, what I saw against Virginia well, Tech. Well, well, I'll push back a little bit on the North Carolina. Like, yes, we lost that game, and no, he wasn't perfect. But, like, I thought that he played a decent game. Let me let me go back and look up at the, uh, at the game log there. Um, oh, yeah, no, 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 no. He did his dollar in that game. 30 for 39 for 309 and two tutties. Yeah, 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 yeah. He, he did throw a couple interceptable passes that were blocked or dropped down, um, dropped by the defense. But 77% completions for 310 yards and two tutties and a three-point loss? Nah, B. Like, okay, he, he I'll, give you North, I'll give you no. And, and look, and he, he did miss a throw or a couple throws. I'm not going to say it was perfect, but, like, I'm not going to put that with the – what's the name? What game was that? Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech. I'll, I'll say FIU. Virginia Tech or FIU. I'll give you I'll, – I'll return – my that North Carolina, but I gotta go buy that FIU and that Virginia oh, yeah. Tech because those now, are the games that make me just want to. You know how some, you know the old Brian Kelly or who else? Who else did it really bad? Uh, Mike Leach, where they just yank you and they just yeah. want to shake you. They'll, those are those games. I'm just like Jaron, what are you doing? Look, uh, how many interceptions off the top of your head did Jaron have last year? Mm, I want to say four or five at least. Seven. Seven, okay. So I, I gave him a little credit. How many of them came in the Virginia Tech and FIU games? I know Virginia Tech was at least three. I know at least three. 
And FIU. And FIU out of those, I'd probably say, I know the one to Wiggins and the one he just threw up to the, the, the Ja'Cory ball. So at least, yeah, those are the two I just remember off the top of my head. So those are my five right three there. three in that game also. So six of his seven interceptions came in two games. <laughs> really bad. Yes, and really then one bad. in the bowl game. But he didn't throw another interception all of he the was year. A, he was Look, a, you had 19 touchdowns and seven interceptions, but you have se- those six interceptions in the span of 43 throws in two games. Bro, what are you doing? Like, and it, again, it just, it belies the same point. Like, when you're locked in, when you're locked in. When you're Florida in, State, when it's Florida State time, you're, I mean, you're fam, killing people. 313 and two tutties. You follow that up with 253. And six touchdowns on 15 completions. What I Bro, saw against like Louisville, I want to see that every game. Right, but exactly. But when you do what you need to do, great. But you have this penchant for it, – it's, it's like the team used to do when Al Golden was the coach. You get beat once, and you let it beat you twice. Yep. You lose to Florida State, and you let it beat you two yep. or three times. Jaron Williams threw one interception, and let that one interception linger and get another, a second, and a third in those games. He wasn't, he didn't get the chance to throw more against Louisiana Tech because he got benched finally after going 9 out of 20 with that interception, which was terrible for 94 yards and 45% completions. All of that being said, this is still a guy who set records. Six touchdowns. He's a good a quarterback, but good. Even with everything tanking, and, I, okay, these are his completion percentages in games after the Virginia Tech game. 33, 50, 56.8, 68.2, that was the Louisville game. 52, 42, 45. Even with those numbers, he still completed 61% of his passes for the year. So that tells me that at the beginning, first of all, he was really good, 63, 77, 80, and 70 in the first four games. In completion percentage. So even when he tanked, he was still very, very good. That just means that he needs to focus up. He needs to now play with that chip on his shoulder of Miami brought somebody else in to do this job instead of riding with me and letting me grow and develop. So now I'm going to, you know, show that I have a pair at this new school, whichever school it is, and I'm going to prove to them why they were wrong. If he does that, again, Jaron Williams is good and can be great. I honestly wish him the best moving forward but some other team is going to get a very very good quarterback and it might be in 2020 it might be in 2021 but whenever he hits the field elsewhere Jaron Williams should be a force to be reckoned with and I hope that it comes forward for him just to kind of end it up for him just this tells me everything I need to know about him uh Jaron Williams was third in the ACC and adjusted passing yards per attempt uh with 8.2 also just putting it out there Passing yards per it just for me when I look at a guy like him, you're accounting for he he had a what, a passing efficiency rating of a 145.4. That's again third third in the ACC. Just just throwing a stab at the dark about it. I know Trevor Lawrence was at least probably one. So who who else is who else is who just throwing at a stab in the dark? I'd probably say Jamie Newman. Probably, yeah, Jamie Newman would probably be two. So if, Jer- if Jaron Williams is three, he's doing something right. But the one thing is you have the one thing we said about Miami oh. all year long was that he was that the, as a team, Miami was consistently inconsistent. And that's what you saw from Jaron a lot of the time. You, the, you can pick out moments in time, Florida, um, FI, I mean, I'm sorry, Florida, Florida State. 
um, Louisville, those even North Carolina. But then when when the ugly is ugly, it's ugly, and that's the that's the thing. And if we if De'Aaron King kind of bringing it back to him, I think what you're gonna see from that is you're gonna see. And me, I'm one of those people. I'm probably one of the biggest advocates. I don't like small quarterbacks. But in college football, it's a little bit different with the advent of the spread these spread offenses, whether it's the Auburn edition, uh, Rhett Lashley, or if it's the SMU edition of Rhett Lashley, or a mismatch of both. You're getting a quarterback that is so freakishly athletic that, yeah, that linebacker's not catching him. That Florida State might have a linebacker that catches him in the from behind or in the open field, probably North maybe. Carolina. Maybe North Carolina, no Georgia Tech, no uh, North um, Virginia Tech, maybe maybe on a good day. Virginia, no, you don't have anybody. Maybe Clemson if we get that far, and, and we'll kind of touch on that in a in a bit. But this quarterback, a quarterback, changes the whole dynamic of your team ask Alabama of your program it, I mean even. not just this year's team but moving forward I mean it uh, it can be a generational kind of a thing because it, it has it has those effects going forward because right. if Derek King is the prototype of what you want even if the quarterback is five if you say I want a quarterback that's 5'11 to 6'2 this athleticism this type of arm strength it, the, he's the prototype for what this offense could look like and what kind of quarterback you're looking to go after now you can have a Tyler Van Dyke type of quarterback a pocket passer who with decent with decent athletic Athleticism, but ideally in this offense, I want Derek King every year. So we're, we're, I'm very interested to see. And he's for everyone that says he's not a great passer in these offenses. It's bubble screens. It's a ton of bubble screens. It's a ton. Yeah, but 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 Derek King is dropping dimes. Yes, he's. Go the, look he, at the highlights. Go look at the cut up that Roman made. Uh, Kane's tapes on in, on uh, YouTube. Excuse me. Put up a video of. All of De'Aaron King's touchdowns and big plays, he's dropping dimes. Mm-hmm. It's not, I mean, this is, yes, he's a shorter guy, but he has the requisite arm strength. It's not the strongest arm, but it's strong enough to make all the throws, even vertical throws. And he's not, you know, just hoping and praying. He's putting that ball in spots. And it can be from the pocket, it can be on the move to his right, to his left. Go look it up. I am not saying anything that is not verifiable by prior game performance. This is a guy who, look, Miami hit a home run here. Now, we need to get him to continue to play to this level, but if he plays to the you know level of his talent, to what we have seen previously from him, dude, this is different. And yeah, you can tailor, excuse me, the spread offense to the kind of quarterback you have, but with Derek King, you bring in a guy who activates all the QB run. That means inverted veer. That means mm-hmm. speed option. That means quarterback power. That means, look, I'm calling quarterback draw, and I'm running the uh, the running back into the hole as a, as lead, a lead blocker. blocker. And the- then I'm following him because, again, this is a guy athletic enough to have played wide receiver and has a 98-yard kick return to his credit. You can go watch these highlights. Again, I urge you to go watch the Canes tapes uh, uh, cut up on YouTube. Derek King, on a designed quarterback run, does what you tell your fast running backs to do. 
found the sideline and then rolled. There were defensive backs with the angle, fast guys, guys who were verified in the four fives who were NFL players who had angles to catch him, and he outran the angles. This is different. I'm trying to tell you. I will, and I'll say this, and we'll kind of jump into because we in our next segment we'll be kind of talking how he can help navigate this schedule and how he'll be able to um, have a little bit of practice time. You know how we talk preseason; we got a little preseason in this with this upcoming schedule. But just to kind of put this whole thing into into uh, just kind of put some perspective on it, Miami's never had a quarterback that looks like this, can throw like this. Well, maybe can throw like this, but no one. We haven't had anybody that runs like this. This is what Tate Martell should have been, and and. I, but I've, this is what Tate Martell did in high school. Yeah, exactly. Tate Martell has not found the ability to do at the college level. Exactly. Derek King has leveled up, and taken that and done it at this level. Exactly. Also, don't want to leave him out. Quincy Roche for the AAC Defensive Player of the Year is going to be transferring in from Temple, and he'll be playing against his former team, and we'll be talking about a little bit about that and the rest of the schedule on the other side. If you've been a listener of this podcast, I'm sure you've heard all the great advertisers working with Locked On to reach sports fans. But you may not know that Locked On Canes is a great way for your local business to reach passionate Hurricanes fans just like you. Unlike any other podcast, Locked On gives your local company the unique ability to reach local podcast listeners. Not just any podcast listener, but a Locked On podcast listener. If your company wants to connect with Hurricanes fans and a predominantly male audience that is well-educated with disposable income, then let's put your company right here on this Locked On podcast. Local fans love to support local businesses and they can't wait to support yours. Text the word advertising to 33777 or visit lockedonpodcasts.com slash advertising and let us know who you are. We'll get our team to help your team achieve Locked On advertising success. Once again, text the word advertising to 33777 or visit lockedonpodcasts.com slash advertising. We can't wait to hear from you. All right. So last but not least, we have schedules to talk about. Miami released their 2020 schedule all while we were gone. So we this has been a nice buildup. We have we, we, a lot of content, a lot of content. So we're going to break this thing down a little bit. We're not going to go into super depth because we have a whole offseason to do that. But just on the surface, we have, we can kind of tie Quincy Roche into this, uh, Derek King and the rest of this team into this 2020 schedule. And just an overview, you have the first five games of the year. We have t- we're going to be – we have uh, Temple at home. Wagner at home, UAB at home. We travel up to your neck of the woods. We're going to East Lansing. Yeah, we're going to East Lansing to face off against the Michigan State Spartans. We get the Pitt Panthers at home, and then we get we go against Wake Forest. We, when's the last time we played at Wake? Played Wake Forest? It's been a while. It's been a while. Like Stephen yeah. Morris, along a while. Or no, was it Brad Kyle? Did Brad Kyle get a Wake Forest run? I would have to go back. I would have to go back, but my last rememberings of Wake Forest was a game in the rain against them, and Ja'Cory Harris stunk it up. So it's been a while. Um, We get them at home. I'm sorry, we get them on the road, and then we get an off week. We get North Carolina at home. We get Virginia on the road in in, um, Charlottesville. Of course, Florida State has to come to Hard Rock South. I mean, we have already beaten them in Hard Rock North, so – that's good. And we get Virginia Tech and Blacksburg, Georgia Tech and Atlanta. 
maybe things will be a little bit different and we end the, the regular season with Duke at home. Not a yeah. bad schedule. Not a bad, a very it's navigatable. It's not a great schedule. I mean, there are seven home games, which is cool. Um, five road games. Um, I'm definitely going on the road to back home in Michigan to go see uh, us play at Michigan State. Um, I hope and pray that sometime Miami and Michigan meet up because that's the team of my youth versus the team of my choosing for my alma mater. Um, but I'll be there for that. Um, you know, Florida State obviously coming down. It doesn't have the cachet that it did, you know, in the early teens or midway through the last decade just mm -hmm. because Florida State, well, neither program is where they were, but, I mean, especially when Florida State was at the top of the college football world, those games were events. I mean, it's still going to be an event, but not as it does, Yeah, it doesn't. You know, but things could change. Like you never know. I mean, they True. have a new head coach. Things can change. Yeah, and then, you know, North Carolina coming down, they're going to be uh, – I probably believe the preseason pick to win the Coastal. Um, yeah, so that's with a Heisman contender, too. That, well, we got one who has the same odds. What's up? Um, you know, so, I mean, yeah, those two games, I would say North Carolina and Florida State are the – the highlight games of the home schedule, then you add in Temple to with the season opener, which was supposed to be the return of Manny Diaz to South Florida, but then, you know, he got this job, so uh, there's that uh, and everything. So, I mean, there are a couple things to like. It is not necessarily that that A-plus rated schedule when you would create your own schedule on NCAA mm -hmm. 2012 or whatever, where you play the top five teams in America uh, just to be sure that, you know, whoever, you want whoever in the championship game and you want to make sure that whoever has a loss on their record. Um, this isn't that. It is not the strongest schedule in the world, but that should hopefully mean that Miami wins a bunch of games. Yeah, when I look at the first five, and really I'll say first four because – as for a person that, for me, I always took this from Herm Edwards. One time I got a chance to meet him. And when it comes to schedules, you break them down in a quarter. So we'll kind of break this thing down a little bit. Uh, first three or four. Temple, Quincy Roche gets to come back, gets a, a return game. Uh, I think he'll be up to play against his old team. Those guys will be up to play against him. I, ideally, I would think Miami should have more talent. But I saw Temple a couple times last year. They weren't bad. Uh, Wagner. Miami has more talent. It's about that talent playing to the level exactly. of their potential. Um, Wagner. Mm, that's that's. I expect at least at least thirty five to forty two points at least from I'm, that. No, I'm going over. I'm going fifties, fifty sixties. Yeah. I mean that's the FCS team that won an eleven last year. They're a terrible outfit. That needs to be a seventy to or seventy seven to seven. That Savannah should be State looking like school. Savannah State when we were playing yeah. them. Yeah, like that. Okay. Yes. Okay. So UAB, they're not a bad football team, and they're they've kind of resurged over the years. Uh, nine wins last year. Yeah, they're not a bad football team. So I hope Miami doesn't go in and say, oh, they're just UAB. Nah, nah. They're they're not a bad football team, and then you get uh, you get Michigan State at home, uh, them being at home, and that's going to be one. Michigan State, while not the most uh, creative offensively, and they're losing quarterback and some guys on defense. They're predic They're very much like us, where we're we predicate everything off of the defense. The offense kind of feeds off of it. Well. They're very much the same. They're not, but they don't have the team speed. At least over the years, they haven't had the team speed that we've had. But they're a tough football. They're a tough, hard-nosed, old-school football team, and we know what Mark D'Antonio brings to his squads every year. So that's going to be one of those games where I feel.
feel like Miami might get beat up a little bit just because of how physical they are every year. Um, Pitt, we know what Pitt's going to give very much of the same. Uh, Pat Narduzzi and those guys, those, I mean, they're, you know what they bring. Same physicality. I mean, Narduzzi used to be the defensive coordinator at Michigan State. Yeah, exactly. So there's that connection. Yeah, there's uh, that so you're connection. Get two yep. of those teams in a row, um, and Michigan State. Look, you know, I grew up in the state of Michigan. I've watched them for, you know, I'm I'm 38 years old. I've been watching them for 30 something years. Michigan State, even when they are a middling outfit, six and six, you know, seven and five. Mm-hmm. When it comes to one of these early season games against a big team, they will get up for it mm-hmm. over the course of my lifetime. I mean, and there's a couple of times that, you know, they played Ohio State late in the year and blown their season up, which as a Michigan fan, I love. But, I mean, they will find a way, especially for a name brand team, to get up for that game. And I feel like the Miami game, us going up there September 26th, is going to be that game for them to show that, okay, they're making strides back. Uh, D'Antonio made the right choice by not firing any offensive coaches in 2018 and all he did was shuffle them and reassign every coach to a new position group on offense i've never heard of anything like that in my yeah life. i've never heard of anything like that either but michigan state did that so that's a game where i'm like what what are what is miami made of because i again growing up in michigan i've seen michigan state over the course of you know 35 years of you know that I can remember following sports, I can already I've seen this movie. I know what green you know go green go white. I know what Sparty is about to bring. Shout out to all my friends from high school who went to state. I know all I mean, well no they they some of them who are even state fans went to Michigan. But whatever everybody who I know who follows Michigan State, even some of my homeboys. What's up Fields? What's up Fields? They're gonna be there. They've seen this movie. It's up to Miami to give and show something different. Because as I sit here right now, I hate to say it, I'm talking that one up as an L because I've seen it happen so many times and that's gonna be the apex of the season for Michigan State and then it's gonna fall off. Wake Forest, again, like I said, that one that one's gonna be the one that I'm like, hmm. 2014, by the way. 2014, so that would have been that would have been was that Kaya? No, Steve. St- Steve, okay, Stephen Moore. Did we win that game? Yeah, 24-21. 24-21. Okay, so that and I think actually that game was that game was close throughout the end, and he kind of I think he pulled it out at the end. But yeah, um, that was with the little slot receiver Campanero, the Wells Welker. Yeah, like Campanero. I remember Campanero. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, he was unstoppable. Um, Riley Skinner, I want to say maybe. Yeah. Riley, yeah. Ooh, Riley, you pulling out the you pulling out the names. All right, so there they lost their quarterback, so that's gonna be a that's gonna be an interesting one because. Sorry, Tanner Price. My bad. Ooh, okay. I can exactly. Okay, yeah. My bad. Um, my bad. My bad. Go ahead. So that one, I don't, I don't know what to expect from that one because that team kind of, they're one of those teams in the ACC, uh, in the Atlantic, where they're, they could catch fire and have a decent eight, wait, nine, maybe ten win season, and then the following year they can just tank it. So you just don't know what to expect from them. A good off seat, a good. This is where the following week you get an off week, which is much needed. After going Michigan State and Pitt back to back, you you, you need that rest. You and need that wink, rest. A well coached team, like uh, you know, some people were pushing for Dave Clawson to get the Florida State job, and 
I mean, he would not have been a, a splash hire, mm-hmm. but if you look at the trajectory that Wake Forest has had since he's been there, mm-hmm. that's just a solid coach who has yep. a solid team. And they got wide receivers that could be the starting front court of anybody's. Oh, yeah, they have team. giants. They have I mean, giants. Giants. Six, five, six, 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 seven, three, four, five of them. Mm-hmm. I mean, they could honestly just be like, yeah, coach, so. Um, I don't even know who the basketball coach is. Danny Manning, if he's still there. Yeah, so uh, we're supposed to go over to basketball practice now because we're supposed to be running, you know, three-man weaves and, like, layup lines. Mm -hmm. Because, I mean, these are all basketball, like, wing-sized dudes uh, at wide receiver for them. That could be a challenge because we already know Miami does not have great size at at DB. You know what I mean? And, again, a Clawson coach team should be and has proven to be a good team, or at least solid uh, in their performance. So, yeah, those first six in a row – are an interesting mix, four home games, but two of the last three in that first six are on the road at State, sorry, Michigan State, for those of you who are not from Michigan, and uh, Wake Forest, so it'll be interesting. Now, that North Carolina, Virginia, Florida State, Virginia Tech, that's that four-game window where Miami always finds some kind of way to lose games. And I've seen it, whether it was the beginning of the Mark Rick era it was the Al Golden. I mean, I've seen it in every coach's kind of window. You've seen it. And it's like it's either right before, right after Florida State, either you – the game against Florida State's close. And then every – for whatever reason, it's just it bleeds over to the next game. North Carolina and Florida State are going to be those two. If you win those, you got a real good chance because Virginia – they're they're replacing their quarterback and replacing a lot of guys on defense. Um, going forward, Virginia Tech they have a pretty. De- I like the Herndon kid at Virginia Tech. He's a pretty good quarterback. He was oh Hendon Hooker. Yeah, Hendon Hooker. Sorry, he was pretty good last year, and he kind of gave us problems. So he's going to be going forward after that. He might, especially after an emotional game, because every Florida State game is emotional because the buildup is there, and it's the it's your it's your rival that's little brother until they win some more national titles and prove me wrong. They're little brother. I don't care, and even when they do, they're still little brother. But that game, if you win it, you're riding high on emotion. If you lose it, your season's tanked. Even if the season, even if it's your one or two, first or second loss, it's going to be something. So then and add on to that, that it's in Blacksburg. And let's say both teams are really good. That's going to be a night game. So there's a ton that goes into that. Virginia, or I'm sorry, Georgia Tech in Atlanta. I need, I need 80 points dropped on them easily. Ooh, 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 ooh. I need 80 but points. That- the I man need, was about to use the bleep button on that one. I felt the emotion. Go yeah, on. yeah, yeah. I need, I need all of that from last year. You owe me. I need that because I was in a bar in Atlanta, oh, a week of that on the day of that game, oh, sitting God. there with just saying to myself, "We're gonna win this game. We're gonna find a way to win this game." And well. The refs kind of jobbed us, and well, we didn't. We shouldn't have left it in the refs' hands anyway. So I was pissed about that one, and I had to hear Georgia Tech fans talking all kinds of jibber jabber. Mm-hmm. So that game, and then the Duke game, the Duke game. This game shouldn't even be a question. I remember there were days when Miami joined the joined the ACC. This was just a game on the. This was like a, another game on the schedule that you knew you were going to get. Oh, the backups going to get some run to this week. Okay, cool, cool. Now, yeah. Uh, can Duke? Yeah, I mean, like I actually have to watch little, this game. Yeah, Duke put a little money into football. They got a decent coach in uh, Cutcliffe, and made them just a competent program. Mm-hmm. You know, before it was just like, I mean, you could just tell it was like other guys. You know what I mean? 
this like we're putting dudes out here to get some uh, exercise, but it's not like we're really trying to win games or do anything. Mm-hmm. Like everything's going to lacrosse and basketball and crew and everything else, but. You know, to make the Title IX numbers work, we had to have a football team or in the ACC, and they mandated so blah, whatever. That's what Duke football used to be. At least now, they there's have a, a little competition because to be competent, exactly. They have some guys that even make Alabama sweat for about a half a quarter. And when you make Alabama actually sweat, Nick Saban actually has to go find his playbook instead of just yeah. saying, "Guys, we're going to run play one on the arm bent one right. seven. 14, yeah, nah, you actually got to go, yeah, so I need, but I need all of that back, so, and then there's this championship thing that's going to be in Charlotte, Um, I'm just going to, I'm just speaking that thing into existence now, I I need to see Clemson at least one time, me and Clemson, we, we, I need that, I need that before Trevor Lawrence goes away, even if, and I'm not going to call anything a loss or anything, but I need to see Trevor Lawrence, I need to get one, I need Russo to get one of those sacks, just one, just one, I'll be happy, just, just one. You know. All right. Okay. So, so I mean, that, that's the schedule from top to bottom. Yeah. So, so and I, I posed this question on Twitter. Um, way too early prediction. What is your way too early prediction? No, I asked you. What's yours? Okay. So mine, my way too early prediction. Usually, I start my baseline is like eight and four. Um, I see I, way too early. I see a loss to at least Michigan State, maybe North Carolina. I could see 10 and 2, 9 and 3, only because Florida State's always an unknown. 8 and 4 if Virginia Tech it just finds a way. But I'll say 9 and 3. That's that's respectable at least. Cool. Awesome. Wonderful. Uh-oh. I'm going 7 and 5. Ooh, whoa. I said 8 and 4 before, but Nah, fool me once, shame on me. Fool me twice, Ooh. you know, shame on you. Nah, uh-uh. I don't believe it. I'm not gonna get caught out here like last year when I predicted ten and two because I didn't see any possible way that this team wasted the plethora of talent on the roster. And they said, "Oh yeah, hold my beer." Not only are we <laughs> going to to do that to waste this talent. We're going to waste it in spectacular fashion. And not only are we going to uh, exceed your predicted number of losses, we've matched your number of losses in the first two games of the season and exceeded it by the first five. No. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. So call me Doubting Thomas, oh ye of little faith, Mm. seven and five, and I dare and defy them to prove me wrong. And I hope against hope that they do. Yeah, I'm usually the eight and four guy. I'd never want. I've never dared to go seven and five, but I'm always eight and four. I get killed for it too. Oh, that that's your team. You're supposed to think they're gonna go on. No, 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 no. I've seen this story before. That's what I'm saying. Like I've this seen is this, story this is before. this is the Miami version of what I said about Michigan State. I've seen this movie, and I've seen this movie in the last what three of the last Favorable four years, schedule. four of the last five. Heisman I've quarterback seen I've seen candidate. It. I've seen it. I've seen it. I've seen it. 2016, 17, 18, 19. I've seen it in the last – well, sorry, not 2017 because we won 10 games that year. But we t- barely won those games. So even 2017, that 10-3 was smoke and mirrors. Yeah, it was. So, yeah, was. I will I will count that. Even 
even though they had I'd cheated. even go back as far as 2000 what was it 2009 2010 I'm not even going to I mean we could I'm not even going to go that far but even if I'm looking at the last 4 years yeah one 10 win season by smoke and mirrors hooker by crook then you have a, a, six, a seven and six season, a set or a six and seven season, seven and six season, and then last season. No, 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 no. I'm not going to sit here and expect them to have gotten it right. I'm not going to sit here all of a sudden on January the 27th and say, yeah, now, could I put on my orange and green glasses while I'm sitting here wearing a green go cane shirt and just be Homer Cam and just go back to my days in college and say, no, Miami's the best and da 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 I could do that, but the pragmatic side of me does not allow me to do that. So, and, no, seven and five, prove me wrong. And I think, too, I think not only for I, what I had to do over time is I had to separate the person that is talking to you now and the person that is in the stadium or on my, on my couch or wherever I am watching the game. That guy wants to want every wants every win. I want undefeated. Oh, yeah. But the guy that's talking to you right now, I have to be objective, and I, I have something tells me when I saw the schedule, I said, "Oh, we're going to be three and one to start the season." That was the first. That was my first instant, you know, thought. I was like, "Oh, well, Michigan State." Right, because we had those four games in a row at the beginning of the season were announced prior to the ACC game, exactly or scheduled at least exactly. So I, I, I expect Temple to get their face smashed in. I expect Wagner to get 80 points dropped on them. I expect UAB, but then it, I have to remember this is still Miami, and this isn't Miami from, you know, I won't even, the Stephen Moore, this isn't Stephen Morris's Miami. Heck, this isn't even Ja'Cory Harris's Miami where he was where he was on TV and he put on, put on his, his, his nice um, game day, college game day bit he had. And no, nah, no, nah, this isn't even Brock Berlin. This isn't none of that. This is the new Miami, and the new Miami says, oh, hmm. I mean, look, the new Miami has really good players, but those players have not formed a really good team. Exactly. And I'll put it to you like this. Yes, I am. When I am in fan mode, I am as big a fan as you or anybody. Trust and believe. Y'all know Ricky DePrince on Twitter. You see all those crazy videos. Ricky and I are more alike than I let on because I push that part of me down when I'm, you know, blogging or, you know, recapping or, do, you know, podcasting, any of these kind of things. Do I want Miami to win every game and win it $5 million to zero? Absolutely, 100%. Do I believe that that is currently going to happen? No, I do not. So, again, 7-5, and five, prove me wrong. Well, I, I hope we do prove you wrong. And, again, this is way too early to tell. So this, don't kill us. Don't go back to this and say, oh, well, you were wrong. It's way too early. We have lots of time to kind of go into this. There's recruiting that has to go into this. Uh, we might have – we may get a late recruit. I don't think it will matter that much. But there's off-season workouts and plenty of other things that go into this. I mean, you have a new offense, a new quarterback. All of this can change Going into, I mean, heck, we've seen an injury completely change the quarterback position, Ryan Williams. Um, so, oh man, and that <laughs> Ryan Williams is a Miramar kid, man. He came to Miramar for his last year. <laughs> like that's a kid I've known for a long time. That one hurt me bad. Yeah, I had uh, I had to throw that in there. Yeah, there's. I mean, it, yeah, because like like I said, I've, I've known him personally. You know what I mean? Like that. Oh, yeah, r- injuries go into things like that. So I right. mean, you could anything can change going forward. So um, I think that's going to be one thing we we'll keep an eye on this team and and this how we navigate this schedule. Mm-hmm. Let us know what you think on Twitter though. 
What do you? What are your way too early? And we won't hold you to this like you're gonna hold us to because you guys are gonna hold us to this. That's I fine. know. I know that. That's would. fine. I want the smoke. Yeah, bring me the smoke. Yeah, you can give us all the smoke. But what do you guys think? What is your way too early prediction for the Miami Hurricanes 2020 schedule? Uh, you let us know on Twitter at Locked On Canes. Let Cam know. Uh, on Twitter at Underwood Sports, and you can also give me a little bit of the smoke every now and then. I'm, I'm I want some smoke, so you can do that at Fred Purdue CFB. Uh, we'll be back. Be sure that you guys are, are liking and subscribing to anywhere that you get podcasts, iTunes, Stitcher, Podomatic, um, wherever. Like, subscribe, give us five stars, and uh, save this episode. You know, just you know, whatever. Download it to your device. Keep it on there so that you know when he's wrong, you can give Fred the smoke. Oh, okay, okay. Okay, I'll take that. I'll take that. But if I'm I mean, right, I would be wrong too. I, and I was about to be, you know, just Hurricanes stand right there. I was going to say that I was going to be wrong because we're going to win ten games. So hey, you know, whatever. <laughs> see, uh oh, don't say, hey, don't, we'll don't jinx us. Let me. Jinx well, us. I said seven and five. Prove me wrong. So yeah, yeah. hey, that's so, it. But yeah, on record. But yeah, we'll be back later in the week, and we'll be kind of bringing some new content. I know we were gone for a week, and I know you guys are probably like, "Where are you guys at?" We're here. We're not going Sick. anywhere. We had both of us, myself and Cam, had some things going on, and. We had to take a take a step back, but we're back at it. So recruiting is coming quickly. Uh, we'll be talking recruiting, of course, with our guy Andrew Ivins, and we'll be kind of all over. Even though the second round of recruiting isn't really as exciting anymore, but uh, we'll still keep eyes on it, and uh, we'll have some news on the 2020 class, the 2021 class. We've had some things going on so we'll kind of keep keep you abreast of everything going on make sure you follow us on all those social medias uh and we'll be back with you later in the week for cam this is fred this is the locked on canes podcast and we are out go canes